Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nichol. And today on the show, we're going to be talking about landlords insurance. Now, I'm so glad that we're going to be talking about landlords insurance because I know many of you have written in and asked us to speak about it. But what really made us decide to talk about landlords insurance today was we saw on one of the Facebook groups we're a part of that an investor had written in and talked about that uh, she decided that she'd manage her own rental herself. And then she had decided she was only going to inspect it every six months and her tenants hadn't told her about a small leak that had happened in their bathroom. Well, behind that small leak was actually a massive issue and she had to rip out her entire bathroom of that rental property in order to replace it because the leaks were so bad. Now, this is something that landlord's insurance is so important to have and we'll talk about the different benefits, but one of the main benefits is protection against hidden gradual damage. That's when there might be a leak or something like that and you may not see what the issue is, but because there has been a leak for six months or so, uh, you're able to protect yourself against that because you didn't know about that. But one thing, just before we get into this, Andrew, is that because of the way she'd set it up, uh, she wouldn't have actually been covered in this instance by landlord's insurance. Why is that? So I, I read through the post here, and um, one of the things that stood out to me is that she managed this property herself, and she'd reduced the number of inspections she was doing. Now, this is the number one thing that, people who manage their own properties do incorrectly. So uh, with most policies that you get, um, you're required to do a few things as the landlord as well. And one of those things is to do an inspection every three months. And even if you know the tenant, and even if you trust the tenant, if you don't comply with that, your insurance may be considered void and they will not make a payment if in the event of a claim. So if she went to make, if she had this extra landlord's insurance, which I very much doubt anyway, uh, and she went to make a claim, because she hasn't complied with her requirements by the policy, she won't be entitled to any kind of payment from the insurance company. And so you might as well not have the insurance in the first place. And I think um, even when we, I know we're talking about insurance today, but your first line of defence and your first insurance should always be your property manager, someone who's professionally looking after the property so that you know that in the event of something going wrong, you've followed everything to the letter of the law. Because if you don't, you're not going to be paid out. And the first major benefit of landlord's insurance is uh, loss of rent. So most insurance companies are going to cover you in the event that your house is damaged and you can't have tenants in it. So that might be an earthquake or, or, or flood damage, something along those lines. Now this typically ranges from six, six weeks to 12 months in terms of the maximum cover you can get typically up to a maximum of $20,000. I've done my research on this and companies like Tower, State, AAA, AMI, Westpac, they all offer that or similar levels of cover in the event that you can't have tenants in your household. Now just remember of course if you're working out that that's only $400 a week and you might be charging $500, you're obviously not paying a property manager in that event as well uh, and you're not needing to factor in things like vacancy because it is already vacant so it probably works out to be okay in most in most types of policy. Um, so yeah in the event of a property being uninhabitable, um, you're still going to be able to pay your mortgage, which I think for most investors, that's going to be really important. Um, an additional extra on in sort of that 
realm uh, that we, we're talking about is actually rent arrears. So uh, not all policies will cover this. One that we often recommend through one of our brokers that we refer to on a regular basis specifically covers rent arrears. So if your tenant gets in arrears and then you have to take them to the to the tenancy tribunal, if the tribunal then awards in your favour, you'll have within five days that money in your bank account, which is really, really cool. This is not uh, a standard, this is an additional extra that, uh, as I say, the, the guy that we refer to on a regular basis, Simon, he will put this in place for you so that you know that if you do have a tenant who just gets into a situation, they get behind the rent, so long as again, the steps have been followed, a 14-day notice has been issued, then you've filed um, the uh, Department of Housing, so that you go through that normal process, if you're if it's awarded in your favour, you'll have that payment made by the insurer. And that really is something quite special. I've been writing an article on uh, landlord's insurance uh, over the last couple of weeks. I've been on all the major insurance websites. None of them mention mm. rent arrears in there. So if you can get that, really special. The, the, the next benefit I want to talk about is in the event that you've got to uh, either evict your tenant for because they're in rent arrears or your tenants are vaca- vacating without notice. Most landlord's insurance... Uh, insurance companies like AA, AMI, State, they will all offer this cover. So if you have to get rid of your tenants because they're not paying their rent or for whatever reason or they've just left without notice and aren't paying you anymore, you can insure yourself against that as well. And that applies if a tenant is in breach. Uh, so if, for example, they've signed up for a 12-month tenancy and they leave after six months, you can still uh, um, initiate that policy payment. And the thing is, you could potentially go after them, uh, if I can use a turn of phrase, um, uh, through through the tenancy tribunal in order to recover that, but they might end up just paying you at $10 a week or whatever it happens to be if you have to come to some arrangement. We're talking about making sure your cash flow is secure so you can hold on to that property as well. So in my experience, I've only had this happen a couple of times. Uh, the tenants that I was self-managing, um, breaking all my own rules, um, not doing regular inspections, they ended up uh, getting about $5,000 in arrears because Andrew Nichol hadn't checked the bank account often enough and they ended up... Uh, getting an order uh, against them. Uh, they were paying that off at $10 a week because they their income had dropped and then they skipped the country and went to Australia. I will never see any of that money. No, you definitely won't. Number five I want to talk about is malicious damage. So, I mean, this is similar, actually. If the tenants really damage your property maliciously, um, you're going to be able to get the money from the insurance company to be able to repair that. Again, you might be able to uh, pursue them through the tenancy tribunal, but the likelihood of you getting that money in a lump sum the same way you would from an insurance company is incredibly unlikely. And that actually covers you for theft as well. So if the tenants, uh, if you've got a furnished property and they run off with the microwave, uh, that you can claim for that as well. And I think the number six that we both had down was uh, for meth contamination as well, uh, which although the jury's a little bit out in the media, some people saying that it's uh, that that's not as bad and some people saying it's it's terrible, da-da-da, um, it's still something you want to protect against because to clean up the, the, uh, any contamination is significant and co- can be a significant cost. So you want to protect against that. And you've got a duty as a landlord to make sure that your new tenants are in a safe environment. Uh, There have been cases where tenants have been awarded their entire rent back um, and damages because they've been living in a meth-contaminated house. Now, there was one instance where there hadn't been a 
uh, test done at the start, but there was a test done later, it could very well be that those tenants were the ones that were the culprits for smoking meth in the house, uh, but they were the ones that got the claim. So there was no way of knowing. So because of that, um, it was it, it, the the uh, the government had awarded in their favour, and so all of a sudden it was it was the landlord's problem rather than the tenants. So those seven kind of instances you can protect yourself against through landlords insurance, let's just recap those seven. One is any gradual damage that occurs uh, from leaking pipes and things like that. Number two, loss of rent because your uh, property is uninhabitable. Uh, Number three is if there are any rent arrears. Then four, if you've had to evict your tenants or your tenants have vacated without notice, you're still going to be paid out your rent. Number five is malicious damage if they've they've gone out and uh, put holes through your wall uh, walls or graffiti the inside of your property, you're going to be able to be protected against that. Uh, and, and similarly, if they've nicked your chattels or, or taken off with your microwave. And number seven is through meth contamination. So these are the seven instances where landlords insurance or specific policies that we recommend will be able to protect you. And so a normal policy, just bear in mind, normally a, a landlord will insure the building. That's what a standard policy will cover. It's a, an additional extra and it's not available through all insurers so just make sure that you are having this conversation with whoever your broker or insurer is it's normally three or four hundred dollars more expensive uh the the i just was talking to our insurance broker before and the policy that they have it you have to have the underlying building uh insured with them as well so it's not something you can have as bolt on if you've through a body corporate so if you've got the body corporate insuring the building you have to go to another provider uh for something that that is landlord's insurance over and above that building. Well, let's wrap it up there. But if you want to figure out whether you're in a position to be able to actually go out and become a property investor or grow your portfolio, then tab or swipe over that cover art because I'm going to drop a link in there to what we call our property investor quiz. And what this quiz will do is in seven questions, it will tell you either, yes, you can become a property investor, No, there are a few things you're going to need to do first, uh, or maybe, and then it sends you a full report about whether you can, about what your actual numbers mean. So I'm going to drop that link into the show notes, or you can go to Opus Partners, our website, to be able to see that. Uh, And please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Boy, it helps us get the message out to more and more Kiwis. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time, 